Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Complete phase on five into the end zone, middle of the field, touchdown Irish. Steve ball, there's Mitchell. Who's got it? Chris Mitchell. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Running to the 15-10 and into the end zone goes Deion Colsey. That's a strike and it's a touchdown. Bo Collins got free in the back of the end zone for six. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Shaden Greathouse. Spinning into the end zone. Touchdown, Irish, Shaden Thomas. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Friday. My name is Darren Pritchett. It is time for our Notre Dame football week in review. Let's start things off and talk a little bit about new Fighting Irish quarterback Riley Leonard. I spoke this week with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka. For people who subscribe to Blue and Gold Illustrated and or listen to this program, last year about this time, you started to do some video analysis work of Notre Dame's brand-new quarterback, Sam Hartman. You went back and watched every single Wake Forest game from the previous year. And you're just about ready to start that endeavor once again with new quarterback Riley Leonard. So... You've watched him play in person against Notre Dame. You've watched him on TV. But I'm wondering, going into video analysis, focusing just on Riley Leonard, what are you hoping to learn about the new Irish quarterback? I kind of see, want to see how he manages himself as a passer throughout the course of entire games. And I think that's the cool thing about what we do with that video series is you get a really good gist of – who that guy is throughout an entire game. Like Sam Hartman was a gamer and I saw that. And, but there were some times where he'd throw one interception and it would lead to multiple. And guess what? That reared its ugly head again this year for Notre Dame, specifically at Clemson and at Louisville. So I just kind of want to know who Riley Leonard is as a quarterback throughout the course of a 60 minute game. Cause you could see highlight clips, Darren, you could see him running for 50 yards and a touchdown at Clemson or, you know, every quarterback is bound to have a really good throw here and there. You see all that stuff on social media. I kind of want to see what the ins and outs of this guy is and are throughout the course of a game. And, and for me specifically, that means if Duke is facing third and six, can he hit the seven-yard out or the comeback, the dig or whatever, that moves the chains and, and keeps it going for, uh, for Duke on that side of the ball. Uh, how many times did Duke – end an offensive possession and it was Riley Leonard's fault? Or how many times did a Duke offensive possession stay alive and then maybe they end up scoring a touchdown or get some points and you can attribute it directly to something that Leonard did? So I think that's the kind of cool thing about this series that we do. Is you really do find out a lot about who these guys are as players. Next up, the Fighting Irish added another commitment to the class of 2025. With all the details, it's Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Well, Mike, as we sit here in South Bend with the wind chill at about minus 14 on this Tuesday, it's nice to bring a little warmth to the conversation as Notre Dame got a commitment from 
an interesting linebacker from the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah, lucky Marty Biagi gets to recruit the state of Hawaii for Notre Dame. Very uh, good for him. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, his efforts, along with uh, a few other Notre Dame coaches, um, kind of paid off uh, on Monday night. Uh, Ko'o Kia uh, announcing his commitment to the Fighting Irish, um, 6'2", around 200, 510 pounds. Um, and, uh, yeah, from Honolulu, Punahou, um, currently a three-star linebacker, but don't worry about the rankings right now for 2025 class. Um, very, very, very early. Um, and uh, so some interesting stuff. He was just on campus at Notre Dame over the weekend, and he was the only recruit on campus to my knowledge. And he was, his visit was kind of twofold, Darren. It was part as a recruit who was very much considering Notre Dame and part as a brother of a Notre Dame football player who was, you know, moving back to, to school. Uh, his older brother is Kahanu Kia, who signed with Notre Dame in the 2021 recruiting class and then took a two-year mission trip. Now, Darren, when, when these young men take their uh, Mormon mission, oftentimes it's before, um, you know, they start their college career. You had Kahanu do a season at Notre Dame and then leave for two years, which doesn't affect his eligibility clock. He still has four years to play because that freshman season he had, he only played in two games. Um, so oftentimes when those kids come back, they can just they, – they can go wherever they want there, and they can go to Utah or BYU or, you know, go back to, you know, in-state school in Hawaii. Um, and Kahanu decided he wanted to come back to Notre Dame. Um, and then Ko'o, you know, Notre Dame was recruiting him the hardest. The staff really wanted him. Um, so now you have the Kia brothers linking up um, in South Bend and uh, their father, Nate Kia, head coach at Punahou High School um, and a former Utah defensive lineman. So um, some pretty good bloodlines there. And you got the family connection with the brothers there. Notre Dame's obviously doing pretty well with brothers, um, you know, over the past few years. And here's another interesting thing about Kia's background, talking about Ko, with him getting to Notre Dame in 2025, he will have three years to play with his brother, who's four years older than him. That's because of, you know, his brother, you know, is going to come back as a sophomore um, who can play four, for four seasons, really, red, you know, kind of that red, red shirt freshman. You know, he's got four years to play. So that's, uh, so that's really cool. Of course, the 2024 season, um, you know, he won't get to play with him. But, yeah, again, really cool, Darren. Uh, and then for, as far as him as a player, he's kind of just what I would call a defensive athlete. Mike, Will, defensive end, you know, kind of a true outside linebacker. This guy can do a lot of different things. Uh, Kooki is, I think it's a, it's a really good get. His film is just fun to watch. All of these, you know, kind of scouting guru guys that I talk to uh, and doing an, an article at Blue and Gold titled, you know, what the experts are saying about him. Um, very high praises. So um, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about Kooki's commitment to the Fighting Irish. And he comes from the high school uh, that Manti Teo attended, so that's not bad either. You stole my thunder. That's how I was going to wrap up this conversation. So Koho Kia picks the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And just a quick follow-up. You said don't get all worked up about the star system for the 25 class. I assume most analysts are still wrapping up the 24 class before really digging in on 25. Yeah, I was uh, when I was in San Antonio um, at the beginning of the month. I spent a lot of time with the two rankings guys there uh, from on three. And and whenever the twenty five class they came came up there, like man, we, like we have not been able to dive into the junior class as much as we would have liked to yet because 
yeah, you have the senior film, you know, ahead of signing day, and then you have the all-star games. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's more their focus. But um, So I, I would anticipate, you know, they're finishing up the 24 class rankings right now, I believe, and then they'll get to 2025 probably in February, I would guess. Finally, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, and I had a conversation about Michigan winning the national championship. Eric, does Michigan winning the national championship in football, would you consider that good news for the possibility of Notre Dame football doing the same in the future? I think that there are a lot of reasons that would lead you to that conclusion. The one thing that Michigan did, though, was in addition to kind of, I call it almost a Jurassic offense, in addition to that, they still checked the boxes that you need to check. Um, Total defense, run defense, turnover margin, and pass efficiency. Ironically, the one that they didn't check was rushing offense. They were 54th. But the rest of those, they were top 10. They were number one in turnover margin and number one in total defense. And Notre Dame, when you look at those numbers, isn't that far away. Yeah. And 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 you you look and Notre Dame really basically checked all five boxes. Um they were, you know, you like to say top twenty five, and Notre Dame was twenty seventh in rush offense and twenty sixth in rush defense. But they were fifth in total defense. They were twentieth in turnover margin and ninth in pass efficiency. One off of Michigan. Hmm. And so then you say, well, why wasn't Notre Dame a playoff team? And I'm actually writing about that for tomorrow. But the, the big difference is this. In Michigan, in its big games, there was a dip in productivity of its offense against really good defenses. In Notre Dame, it was a crater. You know, they, they were unrecognizable from these statistical trends in the games that they lost, especially – Clemson and Louisville and even in the win against Duke and so yes I think there's an encouragement from style of play the fact that they recruit kind of out of the same pool that Notre Dame is actually in the six classes that were on the field you know contributing as players Notre Dame out recruited them in four of the six neither of them are portal dependent so there's some similarities there so there are a lot of encouraging signs but it doesn't mean Michigan's the only way to get there. They also had some favorable matchups. Washington, as much as I love Washington all year, was about as unlikely from a metric standpoint to win a national championship as any team since Notre Dame was in in 2012 in terms of their weaknesses. Washington was 104th in rush offense. They were 96th in total defense. I mean, you're not talking just okay in those categories. You're talking way down the list, and it caught up with them against Michigan. <laughs> but I, I do think that model, at least from a fan standpoint, is encouraging. But Notre Dame has work to do, especially in a couple areas. Offensively, defensive line driven, what's the, what's the qu position group with the most question marks? Offensive line. Also, pass efficiency, 
Riley Leonard has been a great dual threat quarterback. He hasn't been elite or even a really above average in pass efficiency yet. That part of his development is going to have to come along because that's a huge check mark. And when you look at these teams, Alabama was 11th, Texas was 20th, Washington was 13th, Michigan was 8th. They were all good at it. Even if you look at Notre Dame's 2020 and 2018 playoff teams and 2012 teams, Notre Dame statistically looks closer to a playoff team this year than it did in any of those three years. So I do think there's progress. No question, Michigan offensive line, defensive line driven, and that's what Marcus Freeman wants to be. If I could steal one thing from Michigan and install it on this Notre Dame football team, and I think this was very important in defending Washington's passing game in that championship game, what could Michigan do in that game that if Notre Dame would have been in that spot, Eric, they would not have been able to do? They rushed four and got to the quarterback which meant they dropped seven back in coverage against that high-powered passing attack of Washington, and the Huskies ended up with 13 points. Now, Penix was a little off in his accuracy, but I think a lot of that had to do with feeling the pressure early in the ballgame. But it is such a luxury if you can rush four and take care of putting pressure on the quarterback, and then you can drop back in coverage and try to just – take those wide receivers and those lanes away, it just is such an advantage for a defensive coordinator. And as we know, here in South Bend, Al Golan had to dial up pressures in order to consistently get pressure. So if you face Washington by attacking them with blitzes, you know there was a chance with the way those receivers and Penix had had great chemistry, including in that game against Texas – you have the feeling they would have made some big plays against a team that would have relied on just blitzing. So Notre Dame's ability to get to the point where they could be like Michigan this year, rushing for Eric would make such a big difference. Right. I do think Notre Dame would have been a tough out for Washington just because of how Washington is constructed. But if they could get the pass rush, that would have been a really interesting game. I think as as highly as I thought of Washington – the kind of team you don't want to match up with is Notre Dame because they're number one in the country in pass efficiency defense. Michigan was top five. I think they were third. Um, But they um, are a team that plays a light box, so they're not really worried about Washington's run game being 104th. They they can stop that playing seven in the box and play their normal – really sticky pass defense. And then Notre Dame's offense would have presented the Washington defense some problems with its um, balance. So it it would have been an interesting game. But again, Washington was so good at two things, offensive line play until the national championship game, and that passing attack. It was so prolific. And I went against my Mm. math metric statistics and loved Washington all year in spite of those things and I thought well maybe this is the this is the time to turn the page and it's not not yet same old same old yeah and Michigan had an advantage over Notre Dame Sharon Moore against Jared Parker to me there's a big difference right there Moore is putting himself in position to be a head coach very soon well and Harbaugh's a more seasoned coach than no question uh you know and I think Marcus 
uh, would be more fun at sleepovers. Remember when Jamara <laughs> did that and climbing trees? I think uh, Marcus and jumping in pools, I think Marcus would be more fun at all those things. But uh, there is. I'll tell you, there was one point, though, I really questioned Harbaugh was in the Alabama game, and he went for it on fourth down in his own territory, and they got it. But if they had not, Alabama was already in field goal range and could have ended the game there. I thought, wow. I don't. I, if Marcus had done that, I would have really questioned it, and I did question it with Harbaugh. But they yeah. were successful, and it won the game. A little pass into the flat to the running back got the first down, and we'll see. But he had an offensive coordinator that could execute that. Big difference. Yeah, the gap is a whole lot different now. We're, we're with putting Mike all Denbrock this pressure on Mike Denbrock. Denbrock is not going to be perfect, but I do think you will see the difference in the big games. Mike Denbrock will be as perfect as Riley Leonard is being a more consistent thrower of the football. Right, and that's that's, gonna the, be, that's it? That's going to be, you know, when somebody asked me today in the live chat, where is his focus going to be? And there's a lot of areas. His, his position group is tight ends, and and two of his better tight ends are, are on the mend. Uh, but – He's going to put his attention where it's needed most, and I think the offensive line is going to get a lot of attention from him in the spring, and the quarterbacks, and specifically Riley Leonard, in improving him as a downfield passer. Eric, let me ask you one more thing about this Michigan winning the title conversation, what it could mean for Notre Dame. Recently in college football, the dominant quarterback – has been a big reason why teams have won the national championship. Joe Burrow and that offense at LSU just dominated the competition. You look at J.J. McCarthy, and I think he's going to be a very interesting player to watch in the draft process. He's an intriguing player. I don't think he's a game changer at this point of his career. I can't imagine he's going to be a first-round pick at this point. He was, and I don't mean this negatively because I think every quarterback has to do this, he was a really good game manager for Michigan. He's a a pretty solid thrower of the football. Accuracy probably has to get a little better at the next level. But Michigan's offense wasn't throw it all over the place and dominate and score 55 points a game and win the title. They had more of a quarterback that was kind of a game manager. And Notre Dame hasn't had that high-powered, wow quarterback in some time. Does that give you a little hope, even though the Irish have some quarterbacks that are much younger that hopefully might be able to be more of a powerhouse at that position? But having a guy like Riley Leonard, who I'd not put in the category, is a guy that's just going to absolutely dominate the competition throwing the football. Do you think that also gives Notre Dame hope that a quarterback that is solid but not spectacular helped that team win the championship? I do. You don't need a five-star quarterback to win the national championship, but you need one who plays like a five-star from an efficiency standpoint. I I want – the reason I didn't do the story I was talking about for today instead of for tomorrow is I went down the rabbit hole with some stats. And the more that I dug, the more interesting things I found. Because I thought, Eric, I wonder if those five metrics that – I, I call myself Eric. You were going back to your Charlie Weiss story there for a second. <laughs> Those five metrics. Self, um, 
<laughs> Are these five metrics still as time tested as they have been since the beginning of the BCS era and are there new ones we need to pay attention to one I would say we definitely need to pay more attention to is pass efficiency defense that has become a staple of all but two national championships in the playoff and the BCS era Uh, there were two really bad ones Auburn and that 2010 Kim Newton team was weird and then there was another one that was not as bad as that uh, I think it was one of the Alabama teams actually wasn't a good pass defense it might have been the 2020 team and again those stats from that year are a little skewed because you played a lot you didn't play those FCS teams that padded your stats you know you're playing all conference games so the 2020 stats were kind of wonky yeah um, but here's what I found pass offense in terms of passing yards per game, it's all over the board. There's been national champions with the second or third best, like the Joe Burrow team. There have been national champion. Michigan was 81st, uh, and there were a bunch more like that. So it's all over the place. But what is absolutely a conta, con, constant is this. Let me give you the pass efficiency rankings of – we'll just go backwards. Okay. Michigan, 8. Georgia, 20, 22, 6. Georgia, 20, 21, 21, 4. Alabama, 1. LSU, 2. Clemson, 13. Alabama, 10. Clemson, 18. Here's an outlier. Alabama in the 2015, 34. Then you go 2, 1, 1. Then there's a 35 by Alabama in 2011. But you have, I mean, all the way back to Notre Dame. I mean, you go back all the way till 1990 when um, pass efficiency became a stat. It was important. And I mean, there was nobody except for mm-hmm. the two that I mentioned that were bad, you know, below average. And even 34 or 32, that's not bad. I mean, you're in the upper third. Yeah. But in general, you have to be elite. And so you don't need to pass offense. So if Riley Leonard is just an efficient passer, not necessarily a guy that puts up 300-yard games. Combined with his running skill set, that's absolutely good enough. And I know that the Steve Angeli fan club is screaming at the radio right now. We'll talk about him another day, but we're just trying to simplify the conversation with Riley Leonard today. Read more from Eric at InsideIndieSports.com, and that's our Notre Dame football week in review. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 